This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. Subscribe on Apple iTunes or Google Play to the Piper Carter Podcast to hear the stories and thoughts of Piper Carter. Follow Piper Carter on Instagram at Piper Carter. That's what's up. 
All right, so we're back in the studio, huh? Welcome back to the Piper Carter Podcast. You are listening to Piper Carter, and I am in the studio with Brittany, Deja, and our special guest, Kari Frazier, the proprietor of Detroit is Different, where we are recording live. And as you can see, we have a new setup. We are streaming straight to youtube and um yeah we've been going for a minute uh before i start talking everyone to death i'm just going to bring everyone into the room so um the music that we have been listening to is an original track by our one and only katori (laughs) um aka deja who is one of our co-hosts. Um, I know we normally throw it over to you, Brittany, but I'm going to throw it over to you really quickly. Um, just tell us the name of that track and um, then then throw it back to Brittany. You guys played like three tracks. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I was not expecting that. But um, uh, man, I don't even remember the names of my tracks. Is that crazy? I just come up with them on the fly. Autumn, Autumn was I the first one. Right? Autumn Spark. Yes, okay. Autumn Spark, I remember it. Okay. <laughs> and you, you, you're a producer, so you produced it. Yes. Okay. How'd you produce it? I actually made all of those songs on my phone. Um, it was just something to test myself. Um, I hadn't put anything out since the first beat tape that you, Piper, encouraged me to put out back in February. So I was really just testing to see what I could do and how quickly I could do it just on a whim again. And... That's why I don't remember the name of it because I just made it and put it out and I just created something just to see what I could do. So thank you guys for listening and thank you so much for playing it. Oh, of course. Yeah, that was so dope. <laughs> so yeah, let's throw it to you, Britt. What's up with you, darling? Oh, nothing. Just happy to be back in the studio with the homies. Um, had a great summer. Um, Kari's going to get into it. Just again, happy to be back. Doing pizza, working, and now podcasting again. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. yeah. So, Mr. Frazier, what's your summer been like? Or I shouldn't even say summer because we're like almost winter. We're in the middle of the fall um, or autumn. So, yeah, like tell us about what you did this summer that was so amazing that everyone was <coughs> raving about all over the place. <laughs> raving. Hilarious. Uh, we did a lot of studios. So I even have a Piper Carter got two Piper Carter podcasts that need to post. Uh, I introduced, I'm glad I was able to introduce Piper to my homie, Howie Bell. She already knew Orlando Bailey. And then she also hosted a podcast with many Detroit artists, Halima, Ascada. Uh, And then speaking of Ascada, I know his mom just passed away. Mm -hmm. So uh, prayers up for that. Uh, Mm. And then Sabrina Nelson and uh, Sterling Toes, my good friend. So she hosted two of the podcasts and the podcast performance series of a lot of studio. So it was a summer series to like stretch out what the Detroit is Different Festival was into a summer rollout. And that was fun. Uh, we're going to do it again. We have more in store for Detroit is Different. As you see, we've added uh, this video dynamic and we're going to be doing a whole lot more Detroit is different stuff. So when I was asked, hey, do you want to come on Piper Carter's podcast? Like I always say, I think I was on Piper Carter podcast one, two, maybe three. And then it was like, get this Negro out of here. 
<laughs> and then they brought in Brittany and Deja and Jaira. Got got some younger, some younger blood and Is that different what it perspectives. Was? Yes, it definitely, it definitely was that. It definitely was that, Brittany. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, um, yeah. So I just, you know, it's for me. It's just been a little rough. My mom passed away on May the first, and that was that's just been really difficult for me. My mom's my best friend. It's, it even feels like really weird just mm-hmm. to say that she passed away. Um, I have my altar with her on it, and. Um, you know, I talk to her every day, all day, multiple times per, per day. She's in me, around me. I carry her with me. Um, but it is very difficult. It's like strange. Like it doesn't even seem real still. But I honestly didn't have the the strength really to do too much. I've actually just been in the bed mostly like since then. But um, starting in October, I started getting out the bed a little bit more, going to the gym a little bit more. November started going to the gym a little bit more. So I'm slowly starting to get um, to life, like back into life. But it's still, it's still a lot. Like it's still a lot um, because my mom was my everything, my center, my world, my best friend, just my true love, my everything. So I'm just still heartbroken. But um, yeah, just ugh, it's like so much to even like I, I can't even do the podcast, you know, as much mm-hmm. as I love this podcast, like I just I can't even bring myself to like work on things. So this is our first episode since, you know, that happened. And um a lot of new things and just really, um, you know, looking forward to all that we're going to do together, uh, you know, for the next year. Um, I'm going to be 50 in January, so just working the shed. <laughs> this 35 pounds that I picked up. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be gone. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. But um any hootie rooty tootie just appreciate everyone who has been listening and all the people who've been asking when are we coming back um so appreciate all the people that are supporting and asking when we're coming back so we're back so yeah i'll just put a period there and uh yeah throw it to you Britt. okay i want to talk more about deja's uh album um Deja, before we actually started recording, we played your first album that you put out in February, right? Of last yeah. of this year, sorry. Which was dope because that was like a Piper Press, right? Where she was like, No, nah, you gonna put out some music. Like, you know, I'm about to be talking about looping yeah. and producing and not actually put something out. So congratulations to you for album number two. Yeah, thank congratulations. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. And um I wanna talk a little bit about what some of your inspirations were, even with Autumn Sparks, right? You got a, even a track at the end, I think is the longest song. Um, mm-hmm. And it, I think it was, let me uh, look at the name of that it's one. Like That's 444 AM. There you go. Yeah, 444 AM would. Oh, <laughs> so, what do you know about 444? I believe 444 means protection, right? I, I think if, I, if my I thought memory it meant that Jay Z right. was apologizing to Beyonce. <laughs> Or black people, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, why did why did you choose four? Why did you choose the four four four? Because I just so happened to um, 
reach in my little smoker's bag for something to prepare myself with for that early morning when I couldn't sleep. And when I looked back at my phone to find something to play, it was 444. Mm -hmm. That's kind of magical. It is, because I believe three, like the hours between like three and four a.m. or something like that, or like what they call like the godly hour or something. Mm. If you wake up during those times, it's um, God waking you up for some reason. I believe that. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. So I don't know. It just felt like a good title for a track at that time when I made that. I mm-hmm. made that on a Tuesday, and it ironically today is Tuesday. Okay, <laughs> so um, you said you used your phone. Like, what apps or what did you use? I have this app called Koala on my phone. Um, it's available in the Apple Store. Um, I think it's like four dollars. It's like a a, a MIDI controller kind of, mm-hmm. um, and you just make loops on it. You can reverse songs um chop stuff that's what i use it for i use it for chopping um and yeah that's it just to manipulate different songs and then i have another phone or i'm sorry another app on my phone called the dj app Mm. literally dj app and then in there i was able to make my own sounds with the app and i just kind of figured out how to loop those and um, like chop those up in the Koala app and just kind of play back and forth between the two. Mm-hmm. I still haven't figured out my laptop, which is a shame, but one day I'll find a teacher. So <laughs> what do you want to do? hasn't worked yet. Yeah, what do you want to do with your music? Um, Right now I'm making it for enjoyment. Um, Someone that really supports it actually asked me if I want to try to make a living off of my music. Um like full time and that question kind of shook me because I don't know if I'm ready to put something that I'm passionate about at the forefront of my life and figure out how to eat off of it that just seems like too much pressure for something that I really care about at the moment so I'm not sure if I'm ready to take it that seriously outside of just enjoyment of I guess my gift could you explain that to me because I don't that's something that I don't I don't understand when you say I guess like for me, I've always been an artist, so I've always made a living, if you will, off of my art. Mm-hmm. So, and it's interesting because I've heard since I've moved to Detroit, I've heard people say that, but I don't think that I understand. So, could you help somebody like me who's kind of ignorant understand that? Sure. I'm not even sure if I'm not ignorant on that myself. Um, I mean, I do sell my music. Both of my projects, I only have two. Um, they're available on Bandcamp for both $7 each. But and Shout out to Bandcamp. That's such a great... It is. Man, such really a great. great app. I love that. Yeah, ever since COVID started, um, every... I think it was like it started out as like the first Friday or the last Friday or some Friday of the month. Every month, Bandcamp would do um, Bandcamp Fridays for every, you know, creator that uploaded their art on their website, on their platform. Um, The artist would get 100 percent of the profit, which is really great because um, streaming services you get pennies after everybody else has touched your money. Um, if, If you even get that after so many streams. Um, really have to earn the money for that. But um, 
yeah, outside of that, Bandcamp is really cool. And now they do it every Friday of every month. That's dope. Or every first Friday. I forgot how they have it at the moment, but I know next year they're going to go back into their old calendar, which is where they do it like every once in a while. Nice. But um, yeah, back to the question. Mm -hmm. I do just... I don't know. I sell it because I understand its value. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to keep lowball it because I don't understand my worth as an artist yet, to be honest. But I'm still kind of figuring that out. That I know pricing is hard for everyone. Um, I remember an episode where Kari was asking Brittany um, about her pizza business and how she figures out how to price that. And when I get ready to release something, that is a struggle every time. And this I just put out on a whim in Bandcamp. I remember the $7 from the previous projects. So they just applied it to this one. And I was like, all right, God, I'm going to let you, you know, do that work for me. But I, I don't know. I really don't feel comfortable selling it because I just enjoy making it. And it's not something that, again, I, I created to profit off of. It was created because I, knew that I was capable of something and I just wanted to see what would happen when I put my best effort forth. Capital. Now, what if you needed money and oh, and nobody would hire you? I've, I have yeah. paid my phone bill with Bandcamp. So thank you everyone that has contributed to my projects. I really appreciate that. Y'all keep, y'all keep me going. Literally, I make my beats off this phone sometimes. So it like pays for itself, I guess. Made the beat on the phone. Mm-hmm. And then it paid the phone bill. You know, <laughs> that's a buy. right. It is full circle. So yeah, mm-hmm. still figuring all of this out. Why don't you put out a um, like put out maybe a post, and then ask people how much they would pay. I know Mama Soul put up um, it was. Oh, I'm trying to think of the. I'll try to ask her, but there's a site that she put up, and she put the music on the site and then the site asks you like how much do you want to pay so some people were paying like $50 or some people paid $100 or some people paid like like $17 or $10 or whatever and um, we did the same thing uh, when we did the concert with Aisha yeah um, we just put up there like we put we put on the flyer I think we put $25 suggested donation but then we had um, on there where you could just pay whatever you wanted to pay. And um, like about, what did I say? Like around 60% or so of the people paid um, the, the $25. And I think maybe like 15% or something like that paid like $50 or $100. Mm, and then nice. a small percentage like, probably like one percent paid zero nothing zero and i think maybe like one or two people paid like five dollars so you'd be surprised you know you'd be surprised if you just put it out there and just ask and that'll that'll help you just from trying to just be like okay um you know just throw something at the wall see if it stick true Bandcamp does give you the option to like i said name your price so you can make the price zero um a few artists that i know that have dropped incredible lengthy projects with different producers all over the project have dropped theirs for like a donation based price meaning basically zero when you name your price um but 
just because I'm new to this and I don't know if people will do it, that they might take it and put it on SoundCloud, which someone has already done. Like, I, I mean, wrapped no. over it and put it on SoundCloud, which is great, but just because, you know, if they have, like, you know, the verified SoundCloud and they're getting thousands of listens or whatever, I wouldn't be able to say that I did make a gain from that somehow other than exposure, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. That's real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what's next for um, you with this music? Next is the beats I've been making since I dropped that. <laughs> I don't know when I'll put them out, but... Can I get an SWV or what? You did ask me. I have not forgotten. It's just there. You got to be really skilled to chop them up. I'm learning. I don't know. something. At least for what I want to do. I can't do it like everybody else has done it. Take your time. It's coming. <laughs> I, I have not forgotten about you. <laughs> oh, days. Hmm. Thank you. Okay. What's our next topic? Well, I, we we're doing really well. So I want to um get with uh, Kari about the uh, hair show, and mm-hmm. you know you had it at the Andy, which is one of my favorite venues. Through you, we did the Detroit is different um festival. What three years ago now? 2018 it was a minute ago i want to say it was before 1919 so 19 uh had a great time piper had an installation in a beautiful room she did a hip-hop show there was a comedy show there was a hair show that's the old show not this show right 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 right. oh yeah we're just kind (laughs) of giving them a like a like a back yeah context Mm -hmm. of you know we're in 2021 and you did that a venue again and you did the hair show so how was this uh how was this time around? Um well uh I think that uh the well, hair first show- of all is my natural hair show, right? Yes. Agreed. And it is produced by Kari Frazier and it features um two of the um illustrious podcasters that are also in the Detroit is different podcast network, right? LaDonna and Markeisha. Um, they have a company called Hair Goals 313 and they do locks and natural hair. I actually got my hair done there before the show. Mm. Um, and they have a huge listenership on here. They're pretty popular on this network. Mm-hmm. And yeah, go ahead. All right. So uh, definitely all of that is big and uh, did play a role. So um it kind of started from the roots of what the festival was in 2019, the uh, fall of 2019. Uh, I've done the I'm Scared of Detroit comedy show, which we'll probably bring back. I like that title. I like that name. It's interesting. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to expand and do the festival, the Detroit is Different Festival. And in the hook came the whole concept of like, let's do a natural hair show. And Markeisha and LaDonna are stylists. They don't really have a lot of uh, experience in... Um, what would I say, like styling, uh, like like performance art of what a hair show is. So it's a hair show on our own accord. And this year was the second year. It was phenomenal. It was amazing. Piper helped out big time. Mm. Uh, along with Piper came like Piper's team. So Piper brought in other resources. Nina, Nina Payne and the foundation management came in. Uh it's I'm I'm always I want to say Nora. It was Nora's closet, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 Nora's vintage loft. Nora's vintage loft uh, came in with clothes. Uh, Fluent 
is my host. Like I always say, I think Fluid is like the perfect host. He's an uh, amazing Detroit poet. Uh, he has a whole, uh, what do you call it, conglomerate of folks that he <laughs> <laughs> produces. Um, a Man Can Change. He was doing those shows. He's known in Detroit for hosting for years and years and years. So he's a, um, a really prominent Detroit poet. Yeah. Um, just so just so if folks don't know who Fluent is. Yeah. And uh, as we know, he says like Joe Fluent Green. So mm-hmm. like the full title now, I still call him Fluent. Oh, but I know. Joe Fluent mm-hmm. Green. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? It's like, OK, I put the whole title. It's like, oh, yeah. I know him. Yeah. He is yeah. a cold poet. I do. He he leaves his poems and like captions on Instagram and I read him from time to time. I follow him mm-hmm. on Instagram. That's what's up. Yeah. He's Fluent. amazing. Uh, Fluent is the MC, and I see him being the MC for a while, like running things back the same style. Uh, and this year was a heck of a success. I didn't know where things were because ticket sales were low like the week out, but we packed the venue, like where we were pulling chairs and more people were coming in. Um, and he has a beautiful head of locks. Mm-hmm that um, are partially gray, like a silver, like, you know, salt and pepper kind of silver thing with a, a amazing beard. So I think um, the, the you know, I shouldn't say the girls, but uh, Marquisha the and LaDonna, the, the women, <laughs> the I think they did a great job, um, you know, with like the styling and conditioning of his of his locks. And uh, in the show, uh, the cool thing about the show is that it features a lot of their clientele. So it's not like these are real people. It's not like they're, you know, runway models and everything. So their family and friends are in the crowd uh, and then a lot of personality. So today, people know today. Tanae Dismuke, a house of best at. Yeah. She's a dancer, dance teacher. She um, teaches etiquette classes. She actually did the, um, she's uh, taught our models for um, Detroit Rocks the Runway for different years, but she's been a runway coach for years. Um, and yeah, she, she stepped in and did the coaching mm-hmm. for the models for the, for the, should we call yeah. them models? I mean, well, yeah. they were models in that show. So they, yeah. they were in there. And, uh, as you know, like the whole concept of it is really feeling good about natural hair. And, mm-hmm. and we shot it well. My cousin Lamumba helped out big time as Shouts well. Shouts out to Lamumba. Yes. Lamumba Reynolds did, yes. uh, the the stage production, um, the sound, mm-hmm. and um, also the lighting. Lamumba and myself, um, you know, did the lighting mm-hmm. for the show. And Piper did excellent photos that I put up, and she was like, "I didn't even really edit those." And I was like, "I wanted to get something <laughs> out there. I'm gonna edit those, uh, or I'll get them edited, and we're gonna tell a story. It'll be a documentary that I want to release." Ain't no wanna. It will be released Black History Month, uh, hitching on to that whole concept in February. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see we got, you know, NJ Martin is saying, what's up? Yeah, like, that's hey, a uh, shout out to Naima. Okay. You know, y'all know uh, Naima Martin. She's a um, a film producer. Um, she made an amazing uh, documentary. It's called Gangstresses, but she's also my cousin. Okay. And she's a mom. And her son, Mason, is an incredible um, R&B vocalist here in Detroit. He's going to my alma mater, Howard University, mm. right now. And also is to... Is he protesting uh, down there? He's learning. Okay, he's, he's, he's learning. He's doing his studies. <laughs> he's he's doing his studies, and um yeah. So she's a momager 
Uh, Momager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like uh, Brandy Mama. Kind of. Or a Waka Flocka. But better. Better than Waka Flocka Mama? Yep. Because okay. she's not corrupt. She's not corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> they going to get me? Hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but like I said, the Natural Hair Show was fun. Uh, and it kind of, uh, we're, we're looking to do that annually. I'm going to mm-hmm. see if I can get everybody involved again. Piper, Nina, Christina. Uh, it was so many people that helped out to make it a success. I was glad that it came together. And just more of the we don't know what's going to be next, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it was fun. Good vibes. It was a lot of work. So I was tired after the fact, but work well worth it. Uh, and just more Detroit is different stuff. Uh, everything about Detroit is different is offering culture to different people in different ways. So, you know, in, in the next project will be something with Josh Adams. So, you know, we, we always rolling the dice and I want to do more with Piper, too, in this podcast of what it'll be, because bringing to life the idea of the culture of these podcasts is a passion of mine for the podcasters that are invested and committed. I want to see like, you know, anamorphisms. Like if we bring to life the podcast where people can touch it, feel it even more, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Um, And let's do it. And also to the, the summer series, we didn't touch on that. Okay. Expound on that. Okay. So um, it's hard to, it's hard to uh, think back to like wintertime, mm-hmm. you know, last like at the beginning of 2021. It was still a lot up in the air. It's mm-hmm. still a lot of people still up in the air over COVID-19. Um, yeah. I'm one of the people I've, I've had COVID-19 and, you know, it was not as rough for me as some of the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, that does not mean that uh, don't do anything. Shout out to more herbs and making sure that I keep all my vitamins going in me and a whole lot of water. Mm-hmm. But uh, with that being said, uh, I, I wanted to do something like the festival. And I have uh, access to a lot of plots of land here uh, in those plots of land where I have the Detroit's different garden. I actually still have a bunch of curly kale if people want to pick it up now because uh, I have enough kale for my winter and a lot of my family's winter. But um I wanted to expand. I wanted to do something different. So I wanted to offer a podcast and a performance. And successfully, the summer series happened. Uh, We raised some funds. It was a Cash App crowdfund campaign that was successful in raising funds. We're going to bring back the Cash App crowdfund campaign because Detroit is Difference 501c3, specifically for a lot of studio, because that was the name of the summer series, mm-hmm. like a lot, meaning a lot of land. Mm-hmm. So a lot. And then studio. So bringing this studio outside. That mm-hmm. was the whole theme of it. My uh, cousin Vicky's Big Miles Coney cart took off, too. It was like the perfect combination. It's so it's vegan Coney dogs. Mm-hmm. And she has halal, too. But the vegan, it, it was phenomenal. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely off, delicious. You know? Yeah. So, so I mean... It was a successful event. Uh, there was podcasters. Work. So like at each event, you had podcasters from the different shows. And then you had performers mm-hmm. that would perform afterwards. And then you had themes for 
each um, event and then um, the podcasters would interview different guests and then the guests were experts, if you will, um, that represented, you know, the different themes. And so um, how many do you think you did? We did. We did 12. I think next year what we're going to do. That's 12 weeks. We did 12 different events. The reason we stopped, as we know, it was a lot of rain. So yeah. We had two rain delays where we switched dates. Both were my days. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they were Piper days. Mm -hmm. But it was cool because when Piper finally did, especially the the arts Mm -hmm. one, the arts one was very fun. I have like one of the coolest pictures of like Piper, Brittany, Sabrina, Sterling and all of them. It looks like, like I said, it's like looks like a different world from the first season when they had like the intro where like Dwayne Wayne was like somehow on a pickup truck with like a hay. Oh, basket. yeah. So remember those? Tell, that was the real one. You could tell that was the real one. <laughs> <laughs> that was before it was overproduced. <laughs> before it was overproduced. Right? Piper does not, Piper Piper is not a fan of the Lena episodes of a different world here. It just we felt. We about to kick her off the red tape. She was. Mm, it mm, just mm, felt mm. over, it just felt overproduced. Um, uh, you know I me, mean? I like stuff that's like a little bit more raw, real. When stuff uh, is overproduced, uh, uh. is kind of. Um, she did not like the Shazza episode. Shazza was like the, Shazza was the, uh, the prototype yeah. of the of <laughs> the, the deep <laughs> African centered brother. He, he remember everyone loved the... him. <laughs> Have you? That's Gary. Have you seen Gary? <laughs> no offense. Much love to Gary. Shazah. He's going to always be Shazah to me. You yeah, he's are. been through a lot. I assume, you, uh, you know, Hollywood will do that to you. Mm. Hollywood will do that Ooh, to you. especially lots you of love and healing. Black actor. But Shaz- as Shazah, those episodes. the But yeah. Uh, so, you know, um, Detroit is different. It's coming back mm-hmm. with more partnerships and a lot of things. You know, we see, keep this going. It's a blessing that uh, some of these ideas and the creativity just keeps flowing. And I'm given the time and space to do this. Like even tonight, um, getting you all on this platform. And I know this is going to just take off big time because I'm seeing how Josh slowly but surely is picking up big time. So mm-hmm. I can only imagine the audience for you all will uh, will take and we, we already got a couple people in here, literally a couple, but that couple will become many, 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 many more. Yeah. All right. So next topic, Britt. Um, I want to get into your weekend last week. You went to Indiana, which mm. do you want to talk about that a little bit? I could touch it real quick. Yeah. Um, so I was invited to go to um, by the students of St. Mary's College, which is part of the uh, Notre Dame um, and Holy Cross. And so um yeah, I'm I'm really honored and appreciative of Grace and Grace, the young women who um, invited me to come there. And, um, you know, I got a chance to speak about um, grassroots feminism and also environmental justice. And, um, yeah, that was like basically it. But I, I appreciate it because I've never been to Indiana. And I got a chance to see, you know, some beautiful, um, some beautiful land, some beautiful country. I got a chance to spend some time with some incredible young people. 
Um, shout out to the young woman that I met. There's uh, some great young women there who stayed afterwards, asked me questions about everything. Um, and so now I have some new supporters, which is super dope. And um, yeah, they asked some really great questions and I'm just really excited to be uh, connected to them now. And I'm, I'm very you know, moved by their brilliance and the ways in which um, they are rethinking the world. And so, yeah, there's some there's some great young people out there doing some 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 amazing revisioning of mm. how um, of how we could be in the world. So, yeah, shouts out to all of them. I always love hearing about your field trips. Mm hmm. Yeah. Oh, and we and we stopped by um, Gary, Indiana on the way uh -oh. back. Uh -oh. MJ, you know, right? I had to I had to go to the Jackson Hole. Yeah. 300 Jackson. I didn't know it was so small. It's the same <laughs> size as my garage. I'm not hey. I'm not exaggerating. And I was trying to figure out like how did all is nine kids or 10 plus the two parents. I was trying to figure out how they did it. Um if you were to, if, if anyone has ever been there, it's the most amazing thing. The house is tiny. It's well kept. <laughs> they kept it up, but it's like, wow. And the, it, the neighborhood reminds me of a Detroit neighborhood in mm -hmm. a way. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, yeah got a chance to go there. And that was, yeah, that was like some That's history dope. right there. Yeah, Gary, Indiana, to me, mm -hmm. Gary is the Flint of Chicago. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that perspective. I would say that. Or maybe Rockford. But Gary, I really think, is like the Flint of Chicago. I would Chicago. say that. I would agree. But, uh, but yeah, 2300 Jackson Street. You got to go there. Mm -hmm. you, you got to go there for the video. You, you got to see it. It's like, wow. And then we went to the uh, Lake Michigan and got some drone footage of the dunes and the sea. And... Um, it was kind of heartbreaking because it's such a beautiful beach and you see, you know, just, you know, the cityscape and everything. And then when you just look over here, all you see is just like all this smoke and fire and pollution and just all this debris and garbage and stuff all over just ruining the beach. And you think like, mm, and you see those, you know, whenever you see seagulls, seagulls are like the pigeons of the sea. You know, the pigeons of the sea. I mean, they're disgusting. Like <laughs> yeah. pigeons are. I mean, seagulls are pretty gross. And so it was like seagulls like everywhere. I was like, Ugh! and part of me was like, oh man, can you imagine like if this at one point before industry like ruined all of this? But now it's like the mouth of the pollution. So it's like just disgusting. But we got some drone footage, and you know, you could imagine how beautiful it would be if it wasn't polluted mm. yeah nice let's go mm -hmm. well let's uh let's get into some chunky stuff okay so um what is the piper carter podcast with talking detroit politics we got kari in the building so i'm really excited to hear your guys's takes you know kari gonna have a lot to talk this about is, this this is uh this, is, this topic so we're gonna get into i'm gonna do a little bit of a recap of Things that have been going on since we've been on air. So this year, even in amongst the COVID, there was a census. So Michigan was, as a state, uh, I think in the top eight. Uh, and this is all according to um, uh, Metro, Detroit uh, Free Press, some YouTube information, uh, all from articles. Okay. So 
Um, Detroit was, I think, the eighth state as far as top eight state in a uh, self-response of the census. Say that. Say that coherently. What are you saying, Brittany? (laughs) All right. My bad. So Michigan Mm -hmm. was the top eight state in census response. You mean like they had the like the most responses? Correct. Okay. Top eight states. So Mm -hmm. there were seven other states ahead of Michigan. Okay. So Detroit, however, was like bottom three of responses as a city. Right. So 51 percent of Detroiters response to the the responded to the census. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, with those who responded um, as of 2020, Detroit is a 77.69 percent black city. Mm-hmm. We, from the time we've started this podcast, have said Detroit is between 75% and 80% black. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've always said 85%. Yeah. So yeah. I want to throw some more numbers according to DetroitMichigan.gov that mm-hmm. this year's election, local elections, which included uh, a run for mayor, which mm-hmm. included city council, which included some proposals, which I think at a different podcast, we should definitely hit on those proposals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also included some police commissioners. There was a 19 percent voter response in Detroit this yeah. year. Um, you guys want to have any comments about that? No, I keep going. OK, so of that 19 percent, 68 percent of the votes went to Duggan. OK, mm-hmm. um, no huge sh- uh, campaign strategy to me. You guys can agree or disagree. Mm-hmm. All right. But I did see several billboards that kind of like highlighted Duggan's accolades. Okay. Mm-hmm. From a city council perspective, mm-hmm. there were some new seats. I think, mm-hmm. Piper, you shouted out District 6 today mm-hmm. on Instagram, right? Yeah. First, Raquel Castaneda Lopez. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have Scott Benson, who was in District. Uncontested. Uncontested, right? District 4. No, District, District 3. three. Yep. Yeah. You had uh, Latasha, Letitia Johnson. She's District Four. Yep, new mm-hmm. James Tate, um, new as District well. One. Yep. He 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 won his seat back. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like Mary Sheffield. Mary Sheffield, District Five, almost un- She won her seat back. Yep, won her seat back as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then District Seven. That's um, where I live. Yep. And Mr. Fred Duhall, you have a new Durhall. Durhall have a new mm-hmm. councilman. Yep. So I mentioned this just to give our listeners some perspective about kind of some of the shifts that's going on right now. Detroit. And the two um at large. The two Jeanette at large. Ayers lost yep. her seat. Mary Waters and Coleman Young. My bad. Junior. Coleman mm-hmm. Young Junior. So um a lot of shifts in the, the city council. There's a lot mm-hmm. going on with uh city council in the news specifically because FBI has a uh, started some investigations and I'll get to that in a second, but Mm -hmm. I just wanted to give our listeners some perspectives about the Detroit political environment. Mm -hmm. Uh, As we speak on a street and a surface level in this 77.69% black city, it is being stated that gentrification is taking its toll on the city of Detroit just as much as it's taking its toll on any other urban or black city, however you would like to put it. Mm -hmm. Okay. When you say take its toll, I mean, just just for the sake of um, this conversation and the definition. um, Where you have... uh, Dan Gilbert, who has uh, invested, one of our first investors in the city, Mm -hmm. um, who kind of has shaped 
uh, downtown through Midtown has also acquired other investors to come in and spend money and invest the money. Detroit, to me, downtown is not at an even a 80 or 70 percent occupancy rate and buildings that I would say 10 years ago that you could rent between seven hundred and nine hundred dollars for rent are now twenty two to four thousand dollars. I think I was on Zillow.com last week in Corktown. There is one point two million dollars real estate homes being built. Mm-hmm. Um, from that perspective, that's gentrification. I don't. I can't afford a one point two million dollar home. I live off Fort. And well, gentrification is also displacement, there you right? Go. So it's displacing existing residents and making it impossible for them to be able to uh, continue to live, right? Like in the na- in that neighborhood, and then creating um, an environment that is unwelcoming to those people who. Um, live there from there and um yeah so i mean there's so much more that we could say but just for the sake of like keeping the conversation going when when i say gentrification that's i'm talking about displacement and i and i am too right so like i said i can't afford 1.2 million i live off fort and trumbull which is kind of well, they may, through gentrification, classify as Corktown, but it's not Corktown. And so the building next to me, right, is, I think people for rent are paying, like I said, $3,000. I'm not paying nearly that much. They're going to so, kick you out. Exactly. Until you pay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So I'm being, what was the word you just used? Displaced as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's the realism. And I'm not trying to make it seem like that is the only narrative in Detroit. But the reason why I start off with these statistics is because I have a theory. Okay. Um. Piper asked me, did I vote this year? And I responded and I told her no. I told her that. <laughs> so I, I'm part of that that statistic that didn't make it into the 19% for good reasons. I am still like under my mom's address for several reasons. Insurance reasons, um, for a lot of reasons. I don't, I'm not trying to incriminate myself, but the point I'm making is, is that this is a story of many Detroiters, no matter what color they are. So, yes, through the census, it's a 70-70% black city. I say our city council out of the set, I think, believe out of the eight members, nine members are black, right? There's one Latino. There is... So to me, our city council represents kind of from a color perspective, represents the population of Detroit. Okay, but my theory is, is that there are several people, newcomers in the city of Detroit that are also not registered and that do not have a city address. Right. Yeah. But they but they benefit off of like you not voting. So they so for them, they benefit off the gentrification. Like the voting is really for the people who live in the community to be able to have control over their neighborhood and the resources that are supposed to come to them. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So my theory is, is that I think that uh, I'm not against Mike Duggan. I think that there's a lot of work that can be done no matter what or who is in office. Um, What were your thoughts on the city council, Piper? Changeovers. Mm, you got a couple of progressives on there. Well, I'm not going to say progressive. More, pro- let's say people who are more progressive than it's 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 definitely more of a progressive uh, city council than it was um, previously. Um, so, for instance, um, I would say 
district six um and maybe district four you know uh i would say mary sheffield has been doing um a good job of making some decisions that um, positively impact um I'll, let's use the word existing detroiters mm-hmm. um only thing that is interesting to me is um uh uh oh my god i've been saying raquel it's not raquel that's the she's the ex um um district six it's um gabriella santiago. santiago romero sorry about that gabriella i think what's interesting is that um gabriella is um she's an activist you know i've been a, a part of a lot of things that she's been a part of a lot of organizations she did a lot of um relief last year i was on um her team supporting the relief efforts that she was doing in southwest detroit last year during covid and um but what's interesting is she has she had her campaign was endorsed by duggan so that's interesting. So I'm wondering, is she going to be beholden to Duggan or not? I'm unsure. Um, and then so that will, you know, remain to be seen. Uh, you know, will she feel that, you know, she owes Duggan because he, you know, endorsed her? Um, or, you know, did she receive more support? because he endorsed her um those are a couple of questions and then uh i'm not really that familiar with uh, letitia but we'll get a chance to see you know um what what she does you know and how she votes um you know tate benson um sheffield they've been on the council before um you know, uh, Mary Waters, you know, was also has done her time. But, you know, she also uh, had some serious legal issues dealing with integrity. Right. So, uh, you know, what what she does will remain to be seen. Hopefully, you know, she's I'm use the words, learn her lesson and isn't involved in that type of activity anymore. We'll get a chance to see about her. Um Coleman Young Jr., he's been trying to get some type of office <laughs> for about half a decade or more. He ran for mayor, what, four years ago? Something like that. Yeah. And I think he was ran for like, long? I think, mm-hmm. was was he a state? I think he had got the state rep. I'm not sure. I'm not but sure either. I, I'm unaware of his works. Um, so, again, you know, remains to be seen. So he's at large. So we'll see, you know. So, um so we'll see but uh yeah um i find it interesting also we're in the climate of there's a lot of fbi investigations happening and so um i feel as if um to see some of the um city council still be able to you know maintain their seats no 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 they they uh, only only um benson I thought there was one more. Mm-mm. Janae Ayers, she didn't win her seat. That's right. That's right. She didn't. But she just hasn't been charged yet. The her, her, him and- I think they cleared her. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, also in the political climate, uh, James Craig, who was our police chief, mm-hmm. he opened up his run for governor back in September. And uh, he's going to be... Uh, on the Republican ballot, as of today, he's raised 1.3 million compared to 
Um, Gretchen's, I believe, three point four million. Um, he is in the monk. I think he's amongst, mm, I believe, eleven other Republican candidates. Any thoughts about that? Well, they. Exp- <laughs> the thing is that they don't want him to win. Um, so you know they, they being Republicans? the Republicans, yeah, they exposed him. Um, you know that he never did you know uh, executed their requirements <laughs> to actually be uh, a legal police officer and he's been heading um the Detroit Police Department you know all this time without officially being an actual officer and so they they don't want him so they've outed him they have their own ideas about who they want as their leadership so um what's interesting uh to me is that um he's um still gonna go forward with his campaign i mean he's definitely gonna lose he doesn't have the support that's just speaking politically um we could get into a whole thing about his Mm -hmm. record his behavior um terrible things that he's done to detroiters um you know just a long list yeah of, of atrocities so moving along um the timeline you also have in the last three weeks in the news, uh, two additional police officers on um, have been in the for Detroit police have been um, investigated and uh, have made the news due to tro- uh, towing truck scams. Um, I read that the name of the operation that uh, the FBI, FBI has named it is Operation North Hook. I've searched 20 different articles trying to figure out what that operation why it's named that um, why say it again um it is called operation north hook so say it again operation north hook n-o-r-t-h yeah h-o-o-k yes okay explain what the operation is so basically back in 2018 um, they started doing an investigation on a certain p- p- uh, specific tow truck company, uh, Boulevard and Trumbull, which was owned by a gentleman that they said was, quote unquote, related to the mob. OK. Also, during that same time frame in 2018, they started finding different tow truck companies that were aligned with the city were scamming people. Right. There is a couple local citizens saying things like they were like there was a, a McDonald's on Woodward. Right. You park your car there. There was this one tow truck company that would have a lookout. Right. Of like a, this little blue car. And this lookout car would. Uh, alert the tow truck company if you leave your left your car parked there for five or ten minutes they would alert this tow truck company and then automatically people's cars were getting towed so a lot of citizens i would say from the 2013 through 2018 were making a lot of complaints about how they would go to get their cars back and they were being charged anywhere from 400 to a thousand dollars um, me personally, I was one of those people. The, one, the biggest thing that it, it, about living in the city of Detroit, right, is the regulations on parking, parking tickets, and their freedom and ability to tow your cars. And when once they tow them, you're kind of at the you're at the uh, uh, in the hands of the tow truck company who can raise your price if you look at them wrong. Right. There's nothing you can do because they have these contracts with the city of Detroit. So this company, Boulevard and Trumbull, uh, along with breaking towing, um, started to get investigated. Now, the articles 
kind of refused to name all the tow truck companies. They have out, outed the police police officers over the last, I'd say, three years that have been caught under this in, in this investigation. But I believe the reason why they even started investigating the city of Detroit is because these tow truck companies put up such a big fight back in 2018 when they were barred and all their sub companies were barred. OK, so you had this mob boss who was a super upset at the fact that he was barred from having city of Detroit contracts and towing cars. And then from there, when the FBI started searching, they started seeing that the city had a lot to do with how citizens were being treated. So now 2021, we look up and now it's like new news, but really this is a case that's been brewing, I would say since 2016. What's your theory? Wait, wait, wait. Let let, let me, let me give two cents on that. Wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, let's just hear her. Tell your theory real quick. I just didn't understand what your theory is. So, Back in 2018, there was a tow truck company. No, well, no, your theory. You were saying you saying my theory is uh, not the explanation. Not or no, no, no. My theory about this company oh. being heavily investigated. It tipped off this mob boss, okay, because he they disbarred him from doing business in the city at all, and I think he started throwing Detroit police officers under the bus, and then they started to investigate the Detroit police officers because of that case. Okay, so I just wanted to know what your theory was. Okay, sorry. Go ahead, Kari. I was just going to say my most recent Detroit is Different interview with Charlie Beckham, um, a person that was part of the Coleman Young administration, and he ended up serving time after FBI investigation. uh, And he beat the case the first time. Second time, they took all the white people out. And, you know, things happen to black people when that happens. But... The FBI has been looking at black leadership in Detroit for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they've been uh, here a long time. Mm-hmm. In reference to towing and boulevard towing specifically, that was one of the things that like uh, many council members uh, had challenges with before, even Ken Cockrell Jr. Uh, so like when we think about the <clears throat> this whole like the. <clears throat> I've always, like I said, even in this in this interview before. Now, whether was it nefarious activity, was it exploiting people, were there people being taken advantage of when it comes to the towing contracts? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but furthermore, to identify who the target is and drill down on the target, that's what the FBI does. And the FBI has been doing that for a long time time when we think about black leadership, not just in Detroit, but just nationally. The foundations of the FBI was to corrupt Marcus Garvey and what he was doing with the UNIA. So the whole premise of everything FBI has been to destruct any form of black leadership. Yeah. Now, with that being said, is there culpability uh, where there uh, where there people looking to, you know, get their you know, get grease palms. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, most definitely. But I also think that anytime we're involving even these headlines, because some of these headlines are just like, you know, uh, FBI comes, takes out a lot of documents from your house. There's no indictment. This is before the election as well. Uh, we have to be very mindful of the optics of this. Yeah. Because to for that to happen, like imagine if 
um, imagine if a re-election for our current president were coming up and then the FBI goes to his house and then or goes to the White House and starts taking out. Well, I guess the FBI wouldn't do that. But still, you know, you understand what I'm saying. And they start mm-hmm. taking out boxes with no indictment, no nothing, right. no mm-hmm. no rebuttal mm-hmm. that, you know, it, it already paints the picture for the public that you guilty mm-hmm. whether anything is there so the involvement of how city council members or staff are involved in this act is is not necessarily known um the other thing i think we need to think about in reference to anything fbi based is the use of informants mm-hmm. paid informants uh, the way that the way they do pay informants to do uh to commit crimes themselves uh, mm-hmm, or, right. you know, have agents commit crimes themselves. And then, you know, like, what do they call that? Uh, entrapment is mm-hmm. very much the, you know, that is the the playbook yeah. of what the FBI has done. So, so with it, it leaves many Detroiters with a bad taste in their mouth. So mm-hmm. then we look at the 18 and a half percent voter turnout. It, it it raises the apathy where it's like, well, all these people are corrupt and they stealing in the first place. So shit, why should I vote? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like it, like it connects the dots. Yeah, I'm so. gonna. I would also just say too that, um, like like you said, so the FBI's been here a long time. You know, it's like a long time. Uh, whether it's you know, uh, <laughs> Nation of Islam. You know what I mean? Um, or whether it's Coleman Young, like, so it's been, but just more recently, I would say I have a theory that um, the ex District 7 councilman, Gabe Leland, when he um, was indicted, I think he started squealing. Mm. Then I think he squealed and then they, you know, they started, you know, uh, on to Spivey. Then I think Spivey started squealing because he was indicted. And then I think that led them to Benson and Ayers. It's interesting that Benson ran uncontested. I wonder if he would have had uh, a a person, would he have, you know, with with this, with that same process, would he have won his seat? You know I, have, what I, mean? um, I have I have a rebuttal in reference to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a question. With the coverage I was doing with partner with Riverwise magazine, shout mm-hmm. out to Riverwise. Um there were a lot of candidates that were on the ballot that never made the ballot because a lot of the people that had the petitions were thrown out for many reasons that were logical reasons. Uh logical such as one of the candidates had a home in Detroit but cannot get an appointment with the secretary of state. She moved back from Warren to the city of Detroit um, for a year. But as we know how difficult it was to get an appointment with the secretary of state. Mm -hmm. So the clerk just dismissed her, dismissed her campaign. It was many people from mayor for even uh, as we know, it was just open seats for the police commission like that too. Mm-hmm. So many police commission seats just went, you know, straight mm-hmm. up right in. But when you think about the amount of people that wrote in mm-hmm. against Scott Benson, it's true. It's amazing the amount of people that wrote in against Scott Benson. They, they so it definitely that. showed that there was discontent. But when you have so much of the backing of the machine already dismissing who the candidate is mm-hmm. for many reasons, uh, I think the other big 
play and re- the reason why I even did the partnership with Riverwise was I called um, Mama Neb and Shay Howell one day and I said, hey, how are people collecting signatures for their, uh, you know, to be on the ballot? Because it's COVID-19 and our governor said you can't really be places like that. Mm-hmm. And that was during that same time frame. And there were no laws changed. There was nothing changed in top to bottom uh, in Michigan in reference to that. I called uh, mm-hmm. Northwestern alumni that works right next to Jocelyn Benson, uh, Hester Wheeler about this. Nothing changed on the books because that was a county issue, but nothing even changed in the state. So we had an ordinance where it was a stay at home, stay safe. Right. And, you know, at the time, you got to think about you're collecting petitions like in March, April 2021, some stranger walking up to you with a clipboard like, hey, will you sign my petition? Like what we usually get. I don't you know, I was not asked one person to sign a petition Mm. this past year. But surprisingly, all these people that were grandfathered into the ballot got back to the ballot. Um, And you can watch those Riverwise videos to find out. I want to say you need 300 uh, signatures, Mm -hmm. uh, clean signatures, clean signatures, meaning that like a whole signature page of people that have a name, address that can file in there in the voter records of a Detroit residence, Detroit resident um, to be accepted onto a ballot for city council. I want to say 600 for or 500 for mayor, I believe. But Mm -hmm. look at those videos. But it's either five or six. I want to say 500. But many of those signatures you get just get thrown out because of, um, you know, people with misinformation, you know, or it's illegible or whatever. But a lot of a lot of candidates were thrown out. I want to say when the first um, the first ballot that we received, the first set of information that we received probably had like about 60 something candidates, Mm. 65. And by the end, it was maybe like maybe like 30, 38, 39, maybe 41. So it was a lot just dismissed immediately for just cause. Some I'm sure would have been dismissed anyway, but that's why it was so many writing campaigns this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said, there's so much to this election this year. And I'm hoping in the future episodes, we can talk a little bit about some of the proposals. There were some very, very interesting proposals Um, But just to kind of reverse a little bit, my passion for the story has nothing to do with incriminating police officers. It's more so that for years and decades and decades that tow truck companies in this city have been treating Detroiters like a piece of shit. Okay, these (laughs) white privileged companies that have think that they have some type of legacy or connection to Detroit feel as if that they can just treat this like it's 1970. You walk in there, you say something wrong, your price goes from $450, which it should, you should never be charged $450 to get your car at. Isn't the fine like posted on most places around the city like five hundred dollars? No, I mean, because it's like when those fees start going up, it's like it's not just the fee. So it's the fee. And then they'll say like, well, 
we holding your car in our yard. So it's a yard fee. Right. Yeah. Then it's the tow fee. Scamming. Then it's the like. So those fees add up to the point. It's like Spirit Airlines where mm-hmm. it's like, damn, I thought the ticket was thirty dollars. And then it's like <laughs> at the end of it is two hundred and fifty. It's like I could have I could have flown Delta for this. Right. You know, okay. but that's exactly what happens when your car is, quote unquote, towed away because mm-hmm. you're going to pay a tow fee. You're going to pay a storing fee. You're going to pay um, unlocking fee. You're going to pay. They were. They were closed during during COVID. My cousin parked his car wrongfully in front of the uh, ODMS on Fort. So they towed his car. They took it to Gausch and Sons. I'm going to call out all these tow truck companies since for some reason, all these articles want to keep them silent, but want to give the names of the police officers. OK, so Gausch and Sons, right? They when you call them, they tell you, oh, our hours are from, let's just say, nine to five. Right. So we go there at three. And then a lady says, oh, we're closed for today. But your hours on the phone say it's from 9 to 5. Oh, but we're closed. And And she's sitting inside. She says, well, I'm the only one here. And there's one guy in the back, but we're done getting cars for today. So I said, okay. We go the next day. It's $100 more than what they told me the day before. Because the extra because, day. Because stores. the extra day, but it's their mm-hmm. hours that are prop that are, that are that wrong. That force that. So just yeah. to give you some type of insight on what goes on. So the fact that this is stuff that people started, you can see YouTube videos, you can see articles about it from 13. And just now, meaning October 12th of this year, have they put rules in place that are on paper to monitor and to ensure that these tow truck companies don't get away with that. One of the rules is, is that all formal point, uh, payments must be accepted. For decades, they wouldn't accept credit card, only cash, right? So that's just one of the policies that are just now being put in place. So, well, it's just it's just a scam. It's it just is. like um, it's a, like the drug game, you know. It's just a scam. So I mean, they they were empowered to act in this way agree so now they're caught and now now, you know they got to figure out a new scam (laughs) believe me and the next scam is coming it's gonna be scam 2.0 and you're gonna be like oh man um that uh, i wish it was the other way (laughs) no but you know we'll see so yeah um what's the next topic Brittany? you want to go to the uh Astro World. Thought we were gonna talk about Alec, Mr. Baldwin. You wanna hit on that a little bit, Piper? Alec Baldwin? You know, there hasn't really been they're still undergoing a lot of investigation with the Alec Baldwin. There really hasn't been um I thought I thought we were gonna have a bit more um updated info, but I don't have a, a much um, updated info yet they're still isn't it crazy how the they're right... still investigating at this point so um so we we shall see it, it's just crazy to me how the quote-unquote right <laughs> they use because alec baldwin played trump right mm-hmm. they're using this as like bait to like speak negatively on him like anytime he says something suggests something since this has happened it's just crazy to me how he is it's all his fault is they, the headlines are so disrespectful so to me well i think they i think that uh old girl is one of them and i think they set him up because um I mean, why do you have 500 real bullets on your set? And then why, how does um, one of those bullets end up 
in the actual gun that's going to be used, uh, you know, in the scene. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you know anything about a movie set, you know, you check things the day before you check things right, you know, right before. And, you know, they have the, the, the weapons person who are the arms person you know, who's supposed to be with the weapon at all times, you know, they said, oh, well, it's on the cart because of COVID, you know, protocol, but either these weapons were out of your sight, right? Or, which is completely, you know, that should never be because your responsibility is to be responsible for these weapons. Right. And, um, and then, you know, how, how, how do, how does 500, you know, real bullets just end up on the movie set number one, but in the middle of the desert, but like number two, you know, on the set cart. Um, but again, like I said, you know, everything is still under investigation. So uh, a lot of things still, you know, remain to be seen uh, with that. Okay. Uh yeah. Let's uh let's get into Astral World. Uh I think for me, first of all, I just wanna uh send all the people who lost someone, you know, just uh some love and just I mean, this tragedy is just it's it's like incredible. I mean, ten year old kid, um, you know, teenagers. I mean, it was an all ages show, I think. Doesn't he have a partnership with Disney or whatever? Um, so, yeah, first of all, I just wanted to send the families like just lots of love and um, just really sorry that this happened, you know, all the way around. It's just really heart wrenching. And, you know, <sighs> I'm wondering just moving, there's a lot of things to say about it, but one thing in particular, just because I do work in this industry, you know, I'm wondering about shows in general, performances in general. Um, just like I wonder with the Alec Baldwin thing, like what impact that is going to have on the film industry. Mm. I wonder what impact um, this tragedy will have on the um the concert industry, if you will, you know? Yeah, me too. I mean, we're, wouldn't you say we're still in the phase per the media where they're trying to kind of properly place blame, still figure the whole entire story out. And it's just interesting when you look at people's reactions to it, there's so many different reactions, right? There's so many people who are, who are really giving all the blame to Travis. There are people who are giving blame to Live Nation. There's people who are giving blame to the fans who are in attendance, um, <laughs> blame on drugs. So I as well am very interested to see how this changes the industry, especially music festivals, right? Music festivals from Coachella to um, what's the the one that just took place, Rolling Loud, uh, Lollapalooza, right? Music festivals are, are known, are, are kind of like a, a wild, wild west for music, right? It gives, I mean, they're like rituals. They are. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, people chanting, um, you know, everyone's kind of under a spell. There's like 
you know, co a collective, you know, energy that's happening. You know, they might have the pyrotechnics, um, you know, the, 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 how loud it is, the vibration. Um, they might be asking people to do something all together at the same time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think also too, um, something that really was disturbing. Um, I have like a clip and I kind of wanted to play the clip because I wanted to, um, I mean, I got this clip is a, is a clip of a clip. Um, it, I wanted to play it. It's, um, from one of my favorite podcasts, Thought Crimes. They did a really wonderful, um, if anybody listens to Thought Crimes, shouts out to Thought Crimes, um, Sincere and Prince. I love them. They're amazing um, commentators, thought leaders, philosophers, if you will. Um, but, oh man, my my clip just like <laughs> went back to the beginning. So I'm going to have to like refine it again because it um I had it queued up and then it just it just uh lost itself. But long story short, um basically you could hear in the clip where um you know because people were saying that he didn't know, right? So Kylie said he didn't know, he said he didn't know. But in the clip you could hear him like stop right and then say hey wait a minute wait a minute and i guess like his friends were telling him you know um something's going on and then you know he was like oh there's an ambulance you know like down there in the in the crowd or whatever and you know people were screaming for him to you know stop they even started doing a chant for him to stop and he kind of stopped a little bit but then um he just like kept going and then him and Drake were, you know, performing and maybe instead of play the clip, I, I wanted to even just touch on this article, honestly, um, that talks about how one of the concert goers is or has, it says that she's sued already. Um, you know, I have to get some fact checking. I hope someone can help me with the, um, with the fact checking, but it says that um, in the lawsuit, the young lady claims, um, oh no, I'm sorry, uh, it's a he, uh, claims that he was uh, permanently injured in the crush and they've accused Drake of continuing to perform um, with Travis Scott as the situation spun out of control while the crowd mayhem uh, continued. And so you could actually, um, you know, see that it says the crowd became chaotic and a stampede began, um, leaving eight people dead and dozens, including Christian Paredes severely injured. So, um, you know, many people were begging the security guards that were hired by uh, Live Nation for help, but they were ignored. And so it says Paredes went on to charge in the lawsuit that the deaths and injuries were caused by the negligence, carelessness and recklessness of the defendants, their agents, servants and employees in the ownership, management, maintenance, operation, supervision and the control of the subject premises um so paredes who's from texas austin texas is suing for more than a million dollars 
for his injuries and is seeking a trial by jury. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's I'm going to get you guys' reaction to that. Oh. Deja, go ahead. Um, well, I watched a few clips and I feel like he was aware of the situation. Um, I saw a clip where people were trying to tell a camera operator what was going on and the camera operator was more worried about doing his job than, you know, the lives of the crowd capturing that on film. <laughs> like, you know, just really bad priorities, but um, I think it's all a, a really poor reflection. Well, I'm sorry, a great reflection of how poor capitalism is. Mm. Um, it's just fucking tragic for a, a lack of any better words. It could have been avoided, but that's that crowd. They call themselves ragers. Um, mm -hmm. I have coworkers that love EDM music and go to those festivals and um, they all talk about how people love to pass out bad drugs at those crowds. And now here you have um, hip hop, not really even hip hop, but just because Travis Scott is a rapper, um, just because he does have fans that are in hip hop crowds that might come to Astro World to get a glimpse of what a different lifestyle is like via this black man that they might not they might not feel comfortable going to like an EDM fest, but here's an opportunity for them to try something different. So they go to a Travis Scott show because this is as far as their boundaries will allow them to go. And you have this influx mix of different people coming in and just doing things that they shouldn't be doing. I think I heard that there uh, were security guards uh, like being blacked out or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, something was up with the security not being aware of the situation or doing much to intervene. And there was... Um, like opioids fentanyl in the crowd like and they said like somebody was going around injecting people mm -hmm. with yeah that's uh, what i heard too or saw too and i'm just like what the hell is going on <laughs> like like you said piper this is an all ages thing my mom went to concerts with me out here when i was like 16 to all ages events that i was able to go to although i liked music that was like more mature like foreign exchange and like you know people that were that had older fans but that was still liable to happen if I told my mom I was going to the bathroom and had I not or had I been naive enough to be like oh sure you know just things happen it's all ages there's kids everywhere it's a huge crowd and a bunch of people that are not in their right mind because of that environment uh, I just real quick I want to shout out uh, Norman Clement he said yo and who's that? Dina Rogers. Um, she was going back to the car. She said these cars were towed illegally, right? I don't think of all these people were parking where they weren't supposed to. Oh, is she trolling? <laughs> no, no, you're not trolling. But um, yeah, right, exactly. So, you know, I mean, but even if people were, that's true, right? Like getting people, you know, 
I think it's called gooping people, like when you get them and they. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So definitely some goops, but also too, like some people were like Brittany. She told you she wasn't supposed to be parked there. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, my, my cousin wasn't supposed to be parked there, but it's just the fact that, one, like you said, Piper, once they know they got you, right? How far are they going to take it? Because they know that, that they, they have your possession and there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Right. That's but anyway, evil. back to the Travis Scott. But so back, what were you saying, Deja? Were you finished? It was just, yeah, just terrible. I don't know. It could have been avoided. Um, there was an opportunity to show empathy and it was avoided for. And it's still being avoided, many, right? Yeah. Did you see the part in the when he was like, um, the oh, rage, video. rage, rage, y'all. Like they're oh. trying to tell him to like chill. And he's like, he's like, yeah, y'all rage, 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 y'all. Come on, rage. So you heard that part? I did. I've heard it several times over yeah. the years. So no, I'm talking about no, this no, no, time. No. I'm I'm giving context. Mm -hmm. So to be clear, I don't think there should be no music fest festival that should be all ages. That that needs to change. Like this, we're talking music festivals. I think were created in the '60s and the '70s, right? Pitchfork. You know, mm -hmm. these fest music festivals. Newport had a for, festival. Yeah, for people who don't know, music festivals are a wild, wild west for fans and the artists to do all the drugs in the world, Coachella, and then the week after you see people detoxing, right? But also, too, so, festivals like Coachella. I mean, if you look up online, Coachella has a whole like history of, forgive me, I hope I'm not triggering people, but the R word, you know. Um, where, yeah, they just like run through the camps and just like assault people, you know? I mean, you'll see like disclaimers, you'll see all types of warnings, you'll see all types of um, videos. There's a whole bunch of videos and things like warning people about going to Coachella. Yeah. Not to lump Coachella right. with this one, but uh, at a certain point there, there is an overlap Ugh. of the crowd, a hundred percent. Right. There's an overlap of the crowd at a certain point. And um, and yeah, I mean, I guess like for me, I mean, I'm kind of like I'm a person who did a lot of all ages shows like I believe in all ages shows. At the same time, I think content mm -hmm. is key. Mm -hmm. The content of what Travis Scott is presenting, in my opinion, is not all ages. No, no it's not. Not at all. Um, not at all. You know, like like ourselves, like the content that we present is all ages, right? If you come to women in hip hop, you know, lots of moms bring their kids. <laughs> right. And that's the reason that we do all ages shows is because our content is for all ages. Um, and not only is like that content not all ages, um, even... Like, I'm going to be 50 in, like, two months or a month and a half or whatever. And, like, some, like, I wouldn't want to be, uh, <laughs> I don't want you to stick me with a random needle. Me either. With some uh, substance, like, that is not consent. Like, I'm not, I, you know, I don't want to be stuck with a needle with, God forbid, fentanyl or some sort of opioid or something you know um that's not acceptable in any crowd but ever I, but with a, with a name like ragers i don't i don't know what else to so, expect besides pure chaos well then just to bring more context right so yes 
like how Nicki Minaj has the barbs and how everybody has their like name for their fans, right? Travis Scott name for his fan are Ragers. So mm-hmm. to reverse, you have to remember that post, we're going to get into the Kanye, but post 808s, right? It produced the Playboy Cardis, the Drakes, the uh, Young Thugs, the Little Waynes, right? Where being a rock star, right, is kind of the theme of certain rappers' music, right? So it's this feeling, there's this vibration, there's this type of interaction with the fans that is literally just like when a rock star interacts with their fan, uh, with their fan base, like the Rolling Stones and um, Michael. I, yeah, all different types of you know rock rock uh, environments, right? So. I'm not bashing music festivals. I like music festivals. I have a great time and I don't take drugs. I mean, that are hard substances and it's still a great time. But again, we're not we have to draw the picture of what we're what we're talking about. Like so again, a music festival in general is an opportunity even with the best security at right? Lollapalooza where they're making you like go through TSA protocols, you know, taking your shoes off. They're looking for drugs and people still find a way to sneak these drugs in. Right. I think it's, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I think drugs are a consent. Me personally, my personal politics on drug use. I feel that that is a, uh, a consent thing. And I feel that, um, you know, people have the right, if you will, to use drugs control substances if they want to or not as for me my issue is that you know is an all ages show you know um yeah and norm said they should have a cap on general admission you know and 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 there's greed right there's greed taking place like mm-hmm. fifty thousand people you know was the was that venue you know able to handle fifty thousand people no. you know it wasn't like i mean no offense but it wasn't like the like the fifty thousand that might be going to carnegie hall to see the symphony right you know what i mean that are just gonna sit there and then clap oh wonderful you know um they have normally a mosh pit i'm thinking like my heart sinks at thinking of like a 10 year old in a mosh pit like i um <laughs> was a part of the you know black punk folks you know the afro punk mm-hmm. like back in the 90s and you know when we were going you know at these mosh pits and things like that i never jumped in a mosh pit because i was like i need all my teeth and i didn't have health insurance and i went to see out of both of my eyes and use my limbs and be in my yeah, right mind hurts. specifically it is known that if you go to a travis scott concert and you don't want to walk out of it looking like you just got beat up you don't go in the Travis Scott mosh pit okay you don't go in anyone's mosh and pit here, ever I'm t- for hip hop fans that don't understand a lot of hip hop fans don't know what a mosh pit is, a mosh pit is that's why I'm saying that rock has somehow kind of energy has trans- transferred into certain hip hop <coughs> artists right the Playboy Cardis the Travis Scott's the Little Wayne's you go to their show and you think you're at a rock show right and their fan base looks like it and as far as uh, Dina saying that the, it wasn't full of, to capacity gotta look at the YouTube videos where before the show even got started people were hopping over the fence saying that they didn't even want to be a part of the show yeah I think they tore the fence down kind of <laughs> like r- running through like it looked like a stampede it was it was bad Dina like it was it was it was pretty bad. And so when we talk about the blame, like I feel as if Travis 
from being at his shows, from hearing about his shows, there needs to be a no at, at the least another level at the least right another level of maturity right when you have control over a crowd that is on high that that has <coughs> a lot of substance in them you have to be very very careful the we're past the raging right people are going to at this point people are going to rage without Travis Scott calling them ragers so um you know what I mean? So I think that he has to realize his influence or care, right? <laughs> or or else. Like, I don't think he has a choice to care. And as far as him hearing and seeing people, I mean, there's footage that 100% looks like he was watching, you know, a lot of the madness happen. Yeah, but- he was looking at the ambulance go, like, to the middle of the stage. And he was like, yo, what's that? What the F is that? He remembered that in the well, in in the yeah in the video he um he was he was rap he was doing his thing and then he looks down into the thing he's like hey yo you know like what's happening like what the f is happening and then he's like he stops for a minute and he's like yo 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 wait 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 and then he's like okay y'all come on y'all put it, put your middle finger up to the sky let's rage let's rage and I have I was to like, ask the umbies. It was felt like he was trying to distract the crowd from what was happening in the front at, at a lot of videos that I saw. Mm. My question and is, I don't know if they were taking at different points or you know mm-hmm. how far apart. I'm sorry, how far apart they were taken. But from the clips that I saw, it seemed like he was just trying to maybe not even distract, but just not bring attention to. Maybe. And my question is, I'm always playing like a little safe right before you know all of it comes out. And Piper, you could probably answer this question. Deja, too, as a as a concert goer and as a producer, like you got sound effects, right? All that fire, all that sound, all those speakers, all that 808. How much do you think he could hear? Now, listen, he saw and heard what was going on, because if you watch the video Mm -hmm. and you have to watch the video in, in its entirety, he looks down like the they're saying, like telling him to stop the show. Then he looks down because the ambulance even drove like right in front of him to be like, hey, you know, chill out. You need to stop the show. Mm-hmm. And then he looks down there like, hey, he's like, what the F is going on? Then he looks and he's like, whoa, what? Whoa, 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 whoa. And he looks and then I guess instead of him like getting on the microphone or asking the people in the house like, hey, can you all put some light there's something going on right here somebody's hurt you know instead of him taking that type of control or whatever he just like listens to like his boys or whoever's on the side like you know just keep going keep going man don't worry about them you know so i guess you know for me i feel like he saw it he didn't care and was just you think he knew how severe it was it doesn't matter i'm just asking i'm i'm not i'm not taking a side I can't I can't say what he knew or didn't know, but I it, it's clear that he saw that an ambulance came to the front. Mm-hmm. It's clear that he saw that someone was hurt. It's clear that he understood that something terrible was happening to somebody. And um, did he know that eight people died? Did he know that 300 got hurt? Maybe maybe he didn't know that specificity, but he could see that something wasn't right. And so as a performer, if you see something happen, like I've seen performers do that, like I've, I've been places and performers have been like, hey, stop the show. What's going on? Are you OK? And, you know, 
couple times people have been like oh yeah i'm cool and then you know they see the person's okay then you know they make a joke about them tripping or mm-hmm. something like that or a couple times people weren't okay and then you know they had to stop the show for a minute then they got then they took some time they asked them to flash the light you know they got the person to safety and then you know they were able to continue the show and then they made a statement about being careful and taking care of one you know like they kind of manage the situation but what i saw in that video was him look see the whole thing going on and maybe in his mind he's like well the show must go on but let this be a lesson to all performers i figured you know um who? Take Travis? care of your audience, <laughs> your fans. Yeah, for sure. Do you, Have you seen the footage of, like, people performing and they're like, oh, no, nah, I'm stopping the show. I ain't getting sued. Have you seen that footage? I no. saw a video of Tiana Taylor performing earlier, and she had a fan that was going through something, and she had security put her in front of, the, like, you know, the platform to stop the crowd from being too close to the stage? Mm-hmm. She had security put her um, in front of that platform, and she was like, you okay? You get some air now, like what you need some water, like you straight. Like I saw somebody else as well stop the show and say, I'm not getting sued. Everybody all right? So I saw an old clip of Playboy Cardi where he stopped the show because people were passing out. Um, he must have been at a festival. <laughs> he was. I saw that clip. Yeah, he was like, Um, I really care about you guys. I don't want anybody getting hurt or like passing out. Like that's not cool. They told security or security told him like everybody had to take like three steps back in order to keep in order for him to keep performing. He was like, I can't do another song until everybody takes three steps back. But you know, three steps, three steps, everybody just that three steps back thing is really annoying because like if you're it doesn't even work if you're in the crowd and someone tells you to take three steps back if you're in the front you can't go back until the people behind you go back and that kind of sort of starts a lot of like I've seen fights mm-hmm. break out when security has told people to step back sure. there has to be like they you know or even like police or something like you know the way that ah, get back get back go back ah, ah. it's like there has to be like another way that like people can or like what other way is there for like so-called security to like secure people without scaring the bejesus out of them it's tough <laughs> sometimes know, security officers are or guards or whatever are told to be intimidating and scary so that people mm-hmm. will you know give them mm-hmm. their follow directions off bat but it's not cool to intimidate somebody to earn their respect i mean people you should respect somebody in uniform just because you know that they're looking out for your safety unless they're a police officer. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times, like, I mean, they tell that to security, but just having been a young person, like, that doesn't (laughs) make you, like, respect them. It makes you, you know, if you're young, it puts a little thing in you, like, are you kidding me? Like, especially at a concert, especially at a concert, especially if you're not necessarily in your right mind or might be on a substance. So I've been yeah, told. Yeah, I know. It's definitely hard to <laughs> agree when you're in that state, like when you're just trying to enjoy yourself and when there's, you know, things in, like affecting your mind state. But mm-hmm. I allegedly. Know. Right. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. But right. Me personally, I'm going to listen to somebody that might could hurt me. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I get annoyed. I'm like, 
There's another way to do it. I've just seen, I'm gonna be honest with you, like I've seen Nation of Aggression Islam. Aggression isn't the way, period. No, not, 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 not I, Nation of Islam is the work. best security, like the way they do it. Whatever the method is, like the brothers have the best security. Nobody's gonna push you, scream at you, talk at you crazy. Like they ask you to do something is with respect. It's like, oh, okay, so you feel mm. respected. Like, okay, let me you know move or let me do whatever because it's somebody approaching you but in a respectful way but have you been way. in a concert mode around the, the around the nation of Islam to know that that is actually oh effective? yeah plenty of times plenty of times you know I work concerts and I've attended and the nation concerts. of Islam does the security that's dope yeah a lot mm. of, nation of Islam gets a lot of um mm, gets deep. a lot of uh work. work doing security for either private security for mm. a lot of celebrities or um different big concerts big um yeah, events on the scale of yeah. big concerts not really anything small because i can understand that but i mean when there's like say you're at like i don't know the crowfoot or that venue above um, the Garden Bowl, the Garden Theater, mm-hmm. Alley Deck, yeah, you know. I had I whenever I have events like in a bar setting, all my <laughs> events I always have Nation of Islam do security for me for all my events. I always have Nation of Islam. It's That's the best so security, dope. just because they're they're so respectful. You're not gonna feel like you know assaulted or intimidated or, or disrespected. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a lot of thick neck you know no offense security kids come up like it's like you can't even understand like they just come to you with all this aggression and the me i'm an energy person so the first thing i feel is aggression so my first thing is like well you know you want to buck up too you know what i mean like but i feel like you know with the nation um many times they you know they don't do that they they just come to you like oh you know peace you know, sister, can you? Duh. You're like, oh, sure, no, no problem. You know, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I guess for me, I'm interested to see, like I said before, what impact this is going to have on events and concerts, like in general. Yeah, you know. Yeah, me too. I think. <laughs> I think that there's going to be a lot of changes made to music festivals. Um, and they, you know, like I said, they already try to be top flight security of the world. But obviously it's not enough uh, when it comes to what gets like from what's enter, like what enters. What do you come into the, the, the concert with? What do you come into the festival with? Right. And as far as like the it, it just is so disheartening when you hear that Travis has a good relationship in Houston with the fire department, obviously, because his shows are always packed. Right. And always, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> are a liability. So he. But through that, he has a good working relationship, they say, with the fire department and the police department and even the city's mayor. Right. And so all before the show warned him that this seemed a little off. Right. They said to him, be careful. Are you sure you want to do this? We don't know if you should. This crowd is a little out of hand, not just the amount of people, but just the temperature of the crowd. And, you know, I'm also 
hyper curious to see what happens as far as Travis Scott, how he moves forward. You know, I mean, he's also been, you know, there's another article that um, I have here. I won't go through it all because I know we've been talking a long time. But there's another article here that talks about um, how he had to drop out of uh, a day in Vegas festival. Um, And so. There's also talk about him, you know, possibly losing some of his um, partnerships and endorsements. And and I mean, the part that's interesting to me is the Drake part. I can see Drake like slipping away (laughs) trying to, you know, get out of it. He put out an apology earlier that he was um, upset by everything that happened and that it was basically affecting him. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it's affecting him. Um, so did Kim Kardashian. Um, I mean, they all well, have to. Yeah, I know PR do that. But I'm wondering, you know, like uh, it is he gonna pay? Because he was up there too. You know, um, I I think you know if Travis, I mean Travis is paying. Drake was up there. It's not like Drake was like, hey man, does the stop DJ the show. Pay? And the camera operators too. By that token, does Drake have to pay because he's Drake? Do performers? I mean, he's and his everyone own entity, else that right? wasn't responsible. There, there were probably tons of camera people there, not just the one that we saw on footage getting spoken to by the people in the crowd saying, "There's that," you know, you know, whatever. So, what about the camera people that had to catch all the different angles for the footage that this might end up on Netflix in about six or seven years? Oh, it will. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. I they, say get them I'm all. I'm sure that there's footage. <laughs> I was going to ask you. Like, I say get them all. Like, get, get everyone. Hold I mean, everyone accountable and responsible. For sure. I say get them all. I mean, but but I do I, I do think that Drake should be held accountable. Um, To what degree? Financially? Yeah, definitely okay. financially. Definitely financially. Well, nothing past financial or more than just financial. I think he, I mean, they all need to learn their lesson. I mean, if if that's what you're talking about. I mean, because. This doesn't happen at Drake concerts, though. (laughs) But it, but it, but it, but Drake did it at Travis concert. It's not like Drake said, oh, man, stop the concert. Like he was on the turn up, too. You know, so he wasn't paying attention. Point of performance in all of this either. Say that again. I don't know Drake's point of performance in all of this either. I just think that, you know, as a performer, you know, part of your job is to be in tune with your crowd. You know what I mean? Um, you feel their energy, you give them energy, it's like energy exchange. exchange no doubt. You know, and so um at the very least, it shows that folk that they weren't in tune with their audience um but it's i I agree it's negligence um and yeah i mean if you see an ambulance come in the middle of your show and you know that that ambulance was not a part of your rehearsal come on yeah that's why i say the the, when i'm you being nice by saying the word mature travis as you can tell he gets in these like zones where he's like F the police, F anybody trying to tell us what to do. Fans, we can't be controlled. Let's turn up. I like and what Dina says. She says, um, it makes you wonder if anyone there was sober enough to be responsible at all. Um, a tragedy from every aspect. And I agree. Right. It's like, okay, <clears throat> 
I mean, yeah, it's like, oh, <laughs> ambulance, you know, like Literally. turn up, turn Literally. up with the ambulance. And the people were jumping. Did you see the footage of them jumping on top of the ambulance? Yes. I did hear Dancing. About that. I but that's pro that. Travis shows. The second, the, like I told you guys, the first Lollapalooza show, he gets on, first of all, we, his DJ was amazing to the his DJ was so amazing that we were vibing. This is the summer that Back to Back got released by Drake at Lollapalooza. The DJ ran that three times, ran some other music, and it was utterly amazing to the point where we were like, well, where's Travis? Travis comes out like an hour later, drunk, high, like telling security to shut the F up, you know. And before you know it, he's getting into a tussle with security and telling his fans to F security and they can his fans can do what they want. So in his mind, he's having and sharing this lovely relationship with his fans that love his music. And he wants them to follow suit and forget authority. That's so immature. So at the least, Travis... Man, I I think you're sonically great, but bro, you you gotta really really watch your energy. And I'm being nice, so because we all know online the YouTube uh, spiritual gurus have been going in. Oh yeah, aunties and everybody. Man, yeah. I'm talking about they reading, they reading the energy, and it's yeah. it's spooky the way they breaking this energy down. You Man, know, the Mexican mm-hmm. community is going crazy. Freaking islanders too. Everybody sees us like the danger and what spiritually was going on at that show. I mean, look at the set design. That's why I'm like, come on. Yeah. Right? I wanted to talk about the metaverse, but, and what this has to do with it, but maybe we'll save that for next week. Metaverse for next week. Kari said he, Kari guys is, as uh, uh, Piper will call him, Diddy, he's a a guru. So he's doing a podcast next door in the other studio with with the DJ, so shout out to Kari. He wanted to get in on a Kanye conversation. We could do that next week. We can do it next week. It'll still be relevant. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because there's a part two dropping Thursday. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I've had fun. It's been great being in the studio with y'all. Um, so we're alive now. We're on video. You know how to play Deja's song to oh, yeah. end this? Okay, wait, wait, hold, hold up before you play it. Okay. So, um, yeah, before we go, Deja, please tell us, leave us with some words of wisdom and guidance and then and then you Brittany and then me and then we'll play the song cool hmm. um I don't know I guess my words of wisdom would just be to be aware of your surroundings at all times stay aware and secondly to being aware of your surroundings be aware of yourself and what you have going on and who's around you and affecting what you have going on be aware of yourself and then be aware of your surroundings. Mm-hmm. What about you, Brittany? Um, I just want to kind of and do an invisible toast to us being back in the studio. I think that this is an awesome outlet for me, uh, therapeutic for me, but most importantly, I'm excited to be a sidekick of Piper just because I think she means so much to the community. And I think that the community being able to hear her touch on certain things and give perspective is very, very, very important. Um, my birthday is Monday. So happy birthday to me. Ooh, and ooh, uh, excited ooh, for that. I'll be 32. What? And I'm ooh. eight years closer to 40. And I'm not mad. I, lo- I like Girl, maturity. Girl, stop saying eight years closer to 40. You're 32. Ain't nobody thinking about 40. Just enjoy 32. Oh I mean that I, I'm enjoying um, the wisdom that I'm gaining as I get older. So that's still. And you're only 32. You're still young. Right. Yay. 
So I guess for me, I just want to tell everyone I appreciate you for listening. Shouts out to every all my peeps that chimed in, uh, Naima and Norm and Dina. Um, and I think, you know, this is exciting about... Um, you know, just moving forward and doing video, being on YouTube. Um, I didn't want to do video, but the youngins told me that it has to be on video. So I'm like, okay, whatevs. Um, shouts out to Kari. Thank you for coming on our show, being on our show. Um, let us know, like, you know, some topics and things that you want us to talk about, or also just write us and let us know um, your take on the topics that we've already touched on. I, I want to add, uh, um, there's a podcast that I listen to that does um, a sort of segments um, where it asks for donations. And um, in the donation segment, they have um, their listeners present, you know, different letters you know just tell them telling them about themselves and their lives and asking them for you know prayers and support for different things and so I like that about that podcast so I think starting next week I want to try to add that segment I'm going to reach out to some folks this week and ask them to send us some letters and things that we could read on the air it won't be a whole bunch of them might be like you know a couple of them like per episode but I think it'd be a good way for us to connect and engage with our listenership um, I see that we didn't really like engage with the chat too much this time we'll have to you know work on that a bit more be patient with us we'll, we'll get it together uh Brittany's over here she just learned how to do the switcher <laughs> yeah this is tough but so I love it so if you saw a picture of a chair a couple of times <laughs> she's trying to get it together <laughs> but um just appreciate everyone listening and then you know just um share the show we're on YouTube we're on my YouTube channel um Piper Carter for the people. That's the number four. You know, share that with folks. We're also on Piper Carter Podcast on um, Facebook and Piper Carter Podcast on Instagram. Um, we don't have a Twitter. We probably should add a Twitter so we could, you know, live tweet or something like that as well. Mm -hmm. And just keep listening. Um, you could send me an email. Um, what is my email? Is it piper at detroitisdifferent.com? And you can also um, check out, you know, the other podcasts on the Detroit is Different podcast network, which is um, detroitisdifferent.net. And then there's also um, detroitisdifferent.com, which is the blog that talks about everything. So, yeah. And of course, you can check us out as well on all our, um, you know, the social media for the Detroit is different. And um, we appreciate you and we will see you next week. Peace. Oh, oh, Deja's song. Play Deja's song. We have uh, an outro, which um, you heard the intro and um, I don't hear it. Do you hear it? Wait, okay, you guys start it over. I want yeah. you guys to hear. So Deja, put the video on Deja. Deja's a music producer, beat maker of the uh master of the phone beats. <laughs> no, somebody called me phone goddess. That was my nickname over the summer. I was rolling with it for a little bit. Okay, so this is one of uh phone goddess tracks. So, and it's available on Bandcamp. 
Bandcamp, KatoriT.bandcamp.com. You can go find that. Thank you. <laughs> Ironically, this one is called psilocybin, which is now legal in Michigan. Mm. It was on the ballot this year, one of the proposals. Really? Mm. Shrooms are legal in Michigan now. Look at that. What is it? Magical mushrooms, I think some people call them. Good for a lot of mental disorders. Put it in my spaghetti. Very careful. <laughs> you don't want to That's the dance that should come with that. <laughs> of the shrooms. That's hilarious. That's the magic mushroom dance. <laughs> I don't know. Sure, we're tripping out. I just need the the colors of the lights to change. But it is kind of pink and purple behind you. Yeah, yeah I like right? this. Kari did his thing in here. Mm-hmm. Did you donate these lights, or is this a coincidence? Nope. He bought these lights. Oh, okay. They look. This is your set, right? Similar. Similar. I love that part. <laughs> yeah. Peace, y'all. Peace. Sounded like tape stopped running. Stop recording. See where it says end broadcast. Peace, family. Thank you. Peace, y'all. Are you sure you want to stop recording? Yes, right? Okay, wait. The broadcast has ended. How did it go? I think it went good. Yeah, the stream seems What does that say? Rock on. How can we make it even better? Shut the fuck up. Send money. Okay, thanks for the feedback. Okay, close that. Now, where'd the show go? It's right here. All right, stop recording. Did you stop recording already? Yeah. Tune in weekly to the Piper Carter podcast with Piper Carter for a conscious take on music, arts, politics, and fashion. The founder of We Found Hip Hop has a say on what you should know about culture with a balanced conscience.